Welcome to Bite Size Podcast today. Today we continue with uh, the series that we started a couple of weeks ago, entitled The Wise Series. We look at what leads us to asking this question from God by focusing on the lives of a few in Scripture who went through a lot to get to their God-ordained destiny. In the last episode, we looked at the life of Joseph. And today we'll look at a different saint. This question, why, is a very difficult question. But is it a necessary one? The focus of our discussion in this series will revolve around Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6, which read like this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. <clears throat> this theme is covered in four episodes. And this is episode two of this theme. And thank you for joining us. The title of this episode is Not My Will But Yours. The Job Story. It started with God. See, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray in the book of Matthew chapter 6, there is a line which he included in the prayer, the prayer that he taught them. And I think it's one of the most amazing things that we can say to God and that we can allow God to do in our lives and through our lives. In the book of Matthew chapter 6, in verse 10, we see this portion of the prayer and it goes like this. <clears throat> Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done. You see, an understanding of this portion of prayer will go a long way to aiding our understanding of sometimes the pain and the adversity that we go through. In fact, Jesus did not only teach his disciples to pray like this, but he himself became a living example of this prayer. On the dreaded night, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's about to be betrayed, the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 38 and 39, it reads like this. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. We see Jesus praying and saying, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will. In fact, if you read further in this passage, you realize that 
Jesus actually prayed this prayer not once, but twice. You see, his determination to see the will of God come through, knowing what was about to come, knowing the pain and the suffering that he would have to go through, knowing the gruesome death on the cross that he would have to face. His determination is truly an example for us not to forsake him because of our own adversity. There is another man in the Bible who learned this lesson in an amazing way. And today I want us to focus on him. In the book of Job, we are told the story of a man called Job. In the first chapter of Job, he is explained. His wealth, his greatness is explained. In fact, we're even given a number of his livestock and his possessions to show us how blessed and how great he was. And then after that, we read this in chapter 1, verse 6 to 12. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came along also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect man and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught? Has not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. <coughs> we read in this passage that Satan presented himself amongst the sons of God. And it was God, not Satan. It was God that started to break about Job. It was God that started to speak of Job's righteousness, of Job's holiness and how he had kept himself clean before the Lord. In fact, if you read in chapter 1, it will tell you that Job gave sin offerings for his children. Even without knowing if they had sinned before God, he said maybe they cursed God in their hearts. He was a man that seriously feared God. But when God instigated the devil against Job, it was not punishment, but it was preparation. I want you to remember this statement and hold it because we'll come back to it later. 
So we read that after God had instigated Satan and given him authority over everything that Job had, then Satan went to town on Job. Job lost everything he had, including all of his children, in one day. How many of us will be able to bear the type of loss? But Job, a righteous man before God, having lost all he had, because God had given Satan permission over Job's possessions, chose to respond in an amazing way, knowing that God was the source of everything he had. In his grief, he turned to God and not away from him. He turned to God not to ask why such horrors had happened to him, not to ask why did he lose everything that he owned, but he turned to God in the most beautiful response, which was in worship. We read this in Job chapter 1, verses 20 to 22. It says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this Job did not sin, nor charge God foolishly. In all this Job did not sin, nor charge God foolishly. Job's response was not, why God? It was not, why now? It was not, why everything at the same time? But Job's response to God in the midst of adversity, in the midst of losing everything that he had, was to worship God. You see, his adversity and his pain and his suffering had not quenched his worship. Because his worship was not dependent on what he had, but it was dependent on the knowledge that God was the source of everything, that God was the source of his life. He understood that everything he had and everything he had gained was because God had given it to him. And thus he responds in this manner of worship, not because of anything but the knowledge that his source of life was God. In fact, the Apostle Paul puts it like this in the book of Acts. It says, in him we move, we live and move and have our being. Because he underst- Job understood that my life is in his hands, that everything I have has been given to me by him. So in the midst of the loss of everything, Job turned to God in response as of worship. I said earlier, when God instigated the devil against Job, it was not punishment, but it was preparation. And then after this response, Satan shows himself again in the presence of God, with the sons of God. It is fascinating to me that God doesn't miss this opportunity to instigate the devil further against Job. 
because his ways are higher than our ways. You see, God's purpose for Job was found in his adversity. That is why God instigates the devil to go and touch Job's life. In Job chapter 2, verse 1 to 6, we read this. It says, Again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also amongst them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and sheweth evil, and still he holdest fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him, to destroy him without cause? And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath he will give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in thy hand, but save his life. God was still continuing with his purpose for Job's life. It was a purpose that did not need Job's approval. It was a purpose that did not need Job's knowledge of what was happening. It was a purpose that was preparing Job for a blessing that God had for him. Now, now God was not only giving Satan free reign over Job and over what Job had, but he was giving him free reign over his body. Imagine I mean, it was free reign to give him any kind of disease that he could come up with. It was free reign to make him so sick and put his life to the brink of death. It was free reign to make him so sick that nobody would want to come close to him. In fact, let's put it in context so that we can relate. It was like God had given Satan permission to give Job cancer. When Job had been healthy all of his life, when he had gone through all the tests and they said nothing was wrong with him. It was permission to give him diabetes. When Job has, had, had eaten healthy all of his life, had stayed off sugars and all of these things all of his life and has taken care of his body. But God gave him permission to give him. It was like God had given Satan permission to give Job HIV when he had been faithful all of his life when he had never strayed he had never done anything outside of the union of his marriage you get where where I'm going sometimes we look at the adversity that we face sometimes we look at the sickness that we have in our body. And we look at God and we think, but it's not fair. I do not, I do not deserve this. But what we do not understand is that God's purpose and will is in the process of being rolled out. 
And when we face such adversity, sometimes we turn back to God and we say, but why me? But why now? But why this? Instead of turning to God and saying, what is your purpose with this? What is your plan with this? What is your will with this? The Bible says he makes all things work out for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, it is very easy to drift to the question of why when we face adversity like Job did. When I've been healthy all of my life, And I know people that are less healthy than me. And I find myself in a hospital being told, you have diabetes. And I keep thinking, but why God? But why me? But why now? But is that a question I should be asking? Or should I be asking, what is your purpose with this? What is your plan with me being in a hospital? What is your will? with living this thing in my life. We look at the life of Job when the devil started to touch his life. Job did not respond the same way he had responded initially. He did not respond in worship because Job in his own mind thought God had gone too far. In fact, His wife thought so. I mean, his wife thought she could assist him with an appropriate response. In chapter 2, verse 9, we read, it says, Then his wife said unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. You see, Job's pain and Job's adversity was so much so that the one person left that was closest to him thought dying would be better than living in the condition he was in. This is no more evident in our society today where we argue or deal with questions of euthanasia, for an example, people believe that dying is better than living as if they gave themselves the life they have but I like Job's response even in the midst of this adversity in verse 10 of chapter 2 he says but he said unto her thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh what shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil and all this Job did not sin with his lips. How many of us would sit with a disease that we think we don't deserve? A disease that will come and change your world and still say I will not sin against my God. How many of us will turn and blame God? How many of us will turn and say, God, you are unfair. 
instead of asking God, what is your purpose? You see, saints, our response to God in adversity is far more important. Important for us more than it is important for God. Because God knows the purpose. Sometimes it is the adversity that brings us to our knees to say, God, what is your purpose? And the sad part is sometimes when we find ourselves in adversity, even those that come to try and assist us and try to help us end up just feeling sorry for us. And they can lead to us taking our focus away from God and focusing on why. Taking our eyes away from God and focusing on what we are facing. See, it's not until Job's friends come to him and starts to, to speak that Job's response tends from worship to questioning God. It tends from God's will to Job's will. Now I want us to look at a few of Job's questions and then look a bit at God's response. In chapter 3 we read in verses 1 to 12. It says this, After this opened Job his mouth and cursed his day, And Job spoke and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said, There is a man-child conceived. Let the day be darkness, let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Let the darkness and the shadow of death stain it, let a cloud dwell upon it, let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize upon it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Lo, let that night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. Let them curse it that curse the day, who are ready to raise up their morning. Let the stars of the twilight therefore be dark. Let it look for light, but have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day, because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hid sorrow from mine eyes. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me? Or why did the breast that I should suck? In verse 23, why is light given to a man whose way is hid and whom God hath hedged in? When Job started to feel the sympathy of those that were around him, his response is no longer worship, but is to open his mouth and ask why. His why questions were were focused on the pain that he felt for that moment. His eyes were focused on his own will, on his own pain, on his own likes and dislikes. His own will to be delivered from the agony of his current circumstances. You see, when we take our eyes away from the will of God and focus on the agony of our circumstances, we lose our forward thinking and can only look backwards. What would have been. Job 
although not fully aware of the plan and the purpose of God for this pain in his life, starts to focus on the purpose of his existence. When he did not even give himself life, he starts to ask questions about existence and not about purpose. In fact, he first curses the purpose of God for his existence before asking these questions. He says, cursed is the day I was born. When the Bible says children are a gift from God. So how can we curse that which is a gift? Cursed is the day when it was said we have a man-child. Cursed is the night. Let not God regard it from above. How can the one who gives a gift not regard the day in which he gave the gift? You see, Job's pain and sorrow and his choice to lose focus on purpose causes him to start down a wrong path. And then he asks these five questions. He says, why died I not from the womb? Job's question is about his existence. Why do I exist? Why did I not just die before I came into this earth? He says, why did I not give up the ghost when I came from the belly? A third question, he says, why did the knees prevent me? Says, why the breast that I should suck? Why is light given to a man whose way is his and whom God had hedged in? You see, Job's questions are all focused on him. They're all about him. They're all about his will. Now one might say Job was justified because he was going through a tough time. He was going through pain. You see, pain can cause us to question God. Pain can cause us to question our faith. Pain can cause us to question a lot of things around us. But we need to be careful, saints. Because the first question we need to ask is, are we even asking the right questions? You see, Job was focused on why. He was focused on the past. Because he thought if his questions became reality, then he would not have to face the pain. Because had he died from birth, he would not have had to face this pain. But it's amazing to me how we celebrate when we have. And then when it is lost, we act as if we have never had before. 
We read in the beginning of the book of Job that Job was the greatest man in the East, that he was rich and wealthy. And in that time, when Job had everything, not once did he ask why. But the minute what he has is taken away from him, the minute pain is introduced into the equation, Job's faculties change. Job now wants to know why was he born. But when he had, he never asked why was he born. When there was no pain, he never asked why was he born. You see, pain can cause us to react in a way that questions even God's purpose for our lives. Pain can cause us to even want to turn away from God. But God tries to clarify this to Job. In chapter 38 of Job, God comes in. After Job and his friends have exhausted all their discussions about life and meaning and everything, Because they were talking about something that they did not create. So they were talking about something they had no clue on its purpose. So God comes in to put him back in the right path. The questions that God asked Job was to show him that purpose and not existence is the critical thing. In fact, let's read some of them. Job 38 verses 1 to 13. We're not going to read all of them because they're very long. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud the garment thereof and thick darkness a swaddling band for it and break up for it my decree, my decreed place, and set bars at doors, and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no feather, and here shalt thou pride waves be stayed. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days, and caused the day spring to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? You see, when God comes in and questions Job, his questions are focused on his original plan as a creator and his purpose for all things created. God calls Job a man without understanding because he did not know or even seek to understand the purpose and the plan of God with this suffering. In fact, King Solomon in Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 7 says this, it says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. 
and with all thy getting get understanding with all thy getting get understanding sometimes our pain causes us delay it takes from us what we hold dear sometimes it causes us to look different it causes us to have scars that we cannot hide sometimes it's a source of great sorrow especially as we see those that were part of causing our pain continue to thrive when we are struggling but the word of god reminds us that we cannot sit and wallow in our pain and cry foul it is more fruitful and beneficial to seek understanding not of why it happened but of what god's purpose with it is this is the question god was asking job he was saying to him instead of asking why you didn't die when you were a baby ask what is the purpose for this pain what is the purpose for this loss what is the purpose for my existence you see because we who believe and trust in jesus have been promised pain The reason Christ promises us pain is to prepare us so that when we go through pain we don't turn back but we continue to look forward we continue to focus on him You see when John is speaking about Jesus he says he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire now fire scorches fire is painful but if we are made of gold when fire is passed we are purified through it saint job was going through a baptism of fire god chose to baptize job through fire because job was made of gold That is why God first tells us that Job was perfect before he takes him through the baptism of fire. And all of this was done for God's purpose in Job's life. In fact, let me put it this way. Had Job not gone through the strife and through the fire, he would not have seen God. In Job chapter 42 verse 5 to 6, This is what Job says. He says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job's experience with God, Job's intimacy with God could only be refined through fire. His closeness to God could only be brought about through adversity. But it's the same thing that we see also with our Lord Jesus. That had Jesus not gone to the cross, we would not have received the salvation we treasure so dearly today. You see, he needed to suffer. The Bible says by his stripes we are healed. so for our healing he needed to get lashed for our salvation he needed to die 
Because the Bible says he made him sin who knew no sin, that we may become the righteousness of God. And there are many other examples of how pain and sorrow led to great purpose and worship towards God. I want to end with this short story. In the 1800s lived one of the most anointed hymn writers called N. Johnson Flint. N. Johnson Flint had lost both her, both her parents at a young age, was adopted by the Flint family, and they raised her up, found Christ while he was staying with them, lost both of them, so he was, she was orphaned twice, and she had Lou Gehrig's disease, which caused her body not to function properly. But in the midst of all of that, in the midst of everything he, fa- he faced, he wrote some amazing poems or hymns. And I want to read one of these before we close. It reads like this. He giveth more grace than the burdens go greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiple trials, his multiplied peace. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed and the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Through pain and adversity, she fulfilled her purpose. Because what she went through never took her focus away from the source of all life. Saints today, irrespective of all the pain that you find yourself in, can you shift your focus? Stop asking why me? Why this? Why now? And start asking God, what for? What is the purpose for this of this pain for your will? What is the purpose for my life in spite of this sorrows? When our focus shifts from why to these questions, God, who is the source and originator of our lives, is able to turn our pain into strength. Sometimes our pain is instigated by God. 
not for punishment, but for purpose. Our pain can be the catalyst that pushes us closer to our purpose. So I want to encourage you today, let your pain be not your end. Let it not take you away from God. But let it be just another step towards your destiny. Today, give your pain to Him in worship. And know that He Himself has said, I will not. I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. As in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. He's with you in your pain. He will use it for your good as he has promised in his word. Today, turn towards him and not away from him because of your pain. He loves you and is with you and has great purpose for your life. Well, friends, we'll end our discussion here today. Please do join us on our next episode on this theme why thank you for joining us today if you want to get in contact with us or you have questions on this episode or past episodes or any bible related questions you might have you can do so through our social media pages on facebook we are bite-sized on twitter it's at bite underscore word on instagram it's bite word or you can send us an email on info at bitesizedministry.co.za. That is info at bitesizedministry.co.za. Or you can visit our website at www.bitesizedministry.co.za. That is www.bitesizedministry.co.za. And when you're there, you can use our contact us form to get in touch. There also you can find our daily devotionals and our weekly written sermons. Again, thank you for tuning in. And goodbye. Welcome to Bite Size Podcast today. Today we continue with our series, which we've entitled The Why Series. Look at what leads us to asking this question from God by focusing on the lives of a few in Scripture who went through a lot to get to their God-ordained destiny. This is a very difficult question, but is it a necessary one? The focus of our discussion in this series will revolve around Proverbs 3, chapter f- verses 5 to 6, which reads like this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. This theme is covered in four episodes. This is episode three of this theme. And thank you for joining us. 
The title of this episode is Watch and Pray. Peter, James, and John, live from the garden. The question, why, in and of itself is, is not a bad or a wrong question. It is a question that seeks understanding. It is a question that seeks reason. But if this journey of ours in seeking understanding is premised on the wrong thing or on the wrong timing, then why becomes an unimportant question. In fact, it distracts from the will of God, as we've spoken in the past two episodes. You see, the great King Solomon spoke these wise words in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 7. He said, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. I mean, it's a bold statement coming from the richest man to ever walk the earth, the wisest man to ever walk the earth. Imagine the wealth and the possession of Solomon. Imagine how rich he was. But even he thought that all he had was a prize worth paying so that he could gain understanding. So the question why itself is not, is not bad or evil, but it needs to be premised on the right things, the correct things, in order to fully give understanding that we seek. It needs to be at the right time in order to give clarity and understanding that we seek. You see, our quest for understanding must always be premised on the true word of God. And the instruction his word gives to us each and every day, we go into it. It must not be premised on selfish ambition or on seeking to justify ourselves against what is happening in our lives or against what God has allowed to happen in our lives. But it must be premised on the quest for a deeper understanding of who God is and what his will and plan for our lives is. To this end, when there is an opportunity to know this and to seek his face, then the question why becomes a powerful question. It becomes the basis for a deeper understanding of the things of God, a deeper understanding of his will and plan for our lives. We read in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 6, this. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The prophet Isaiah encourages us to seek the Lord, to seek a deeper knowledge 
or a deeper understanding or a deeper revelation of God because there will be a time where he will not be found by us or where he may be far. Seek him while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Today I want us to focus our discussion around the passage of the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. I will read it. It reads like this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible, for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it. May your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look. The hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I want us to look a little bit deeper into this passage. Pick out a few points as a main focus of our discussion today. And then we'll wrap this up. The Bible says Jesus took them to a place called Gethsemane. Now, if you go and look up the meaning of the word Gethsemane, it means a place or occasion of great mental and spiritual suffering. So Jesus takes Peter, John, and James with him to a place of great mental and spiritual suffering, leaving behind the other disciples. And they don't ask why. Maybe they didn't ask why because Jesus had taken them three as he went up to the mountain of transfiguration to pray. So they were used to it. But even then, they fell asleep but were awakened by the glory they saw. 
To them, it seems it was normal for Jesus to take them with him as he went to pray. And that familiarity made them not to question it this day because they were used to it. They, they couldn't see anything different because this is what they were used to. And then secondly, we read it says, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus opens up to them about his sorrow and anguish. In fact, his anguish is so terrible that he even equates it to the point of death. Yet, they do not ask why. At a place of suffering, he opens up about his anguish. And yet, not a word from those that were going with him. They remained silence, silent as Jesus spoke about his anguish. Not even once did they ask him, why, Lord? It's the most astonishing thing to me. Because every time when somebody opens up their heart to you, and they speak about the pain, or they speak about the fact that they are in pain, the most logical question to ask is why. But these three disciples kept quiet. <coughs> Thirdly, Jesus says to them, stay here and keep watch with me. He instructs them, to keep watch with him. But because they have gotten so used to Jesus, because they are familiar to him, they don't concern themselves with asking why should we keep watch. Instead, they don't even carry out this instruction to keep watch. They fall asleep. What they don't understand is that it might have been okay for them to sleep when Jesus was praying at the Mount of Transfiguration. But it is not the same situation. The timing has changed. Now it is time to ask why. Secondly, Jesus had not given them an instruction in the Mount of Transfiguration, but at this moment, he has given them an instruction to watch with him. Yet they do not ask why. I mean, I look at this and I think about our lives, how many times God gives instruction. You know, how many times God has instructed you and me on something. But because we are so familiar with him, maybe it's because he's used, used you or visited you many times or, you know, he's come that way before, that we are not interested in his instruction. So we just ignore it and we respond how we want to respond. I'm reminded of a story of Moses in the desert with the children of Israel. They're complaining about water and he goes to God and God instructs him to strike the rock so that the children of Israel can receive water. And he does that. 
But when they complain again and it goes to God again, God instructs him about the rock, but a different instruction this time. But because of familiarity, he goes back to the rock with the first instruction and not the instruction of this time. You see, it's possible that our familiarity with God and how he speaks to us and how he instructs us can cause us to miss his timing and his exact instruction at that particular time. We so use, we get so familiar with God telling us to do things in a specific way that we think when he tells us to do the same thing, he will also tell us to do it in the same way. The why question becomes much more important because of the difference in the instruction and the timing of the instruction. You see, when he goes with them to the Mount of Transfiguration, he gives them no instruction. So that is not the place for the why question, but when he goes with them to the Garden of Gethsemane, he gives them an instruction. Watch with me. Yet, they sleep as they did before in the Mountain of Transfiguration. You see, when we do not fully comprehend the instruction of God or comprehend the reason for the instruction, it's the right time to ask why. It is the right question to seek more understanding when we are faced with such a situation. Jesus in his anguish, after giving them the instruction, moves away from them. And what is recorded in the scripture for us is that he prayed to these two lines. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Bold words for a man in agony. Yet the ones he has asked to watch with him are long gone in their slumber because they lack the understanding of what this moment is about. They lack the understanding of the significance of the moment because they did not take the time to ask why. You see, what is even more puzzling is that the same Peter who is slumbering and not carrying out the instruction of Christ to watch with him is the same Peter a few verses before this passage in Matthew chapter 26 verse 33 declared that even if all others fall away, but I will not. He says, you see, I will not fall away. But a few moments later, he cannot even stand and watch with Christ just for an hour. You see, Peter spoke out of his love for Jesus when he said, I will not fall away. What he had lacked at the time was a proper understanding of the gravity of the moment. 
You see, Peter could have asked Jesus why was he saying he would fall away so that he could gain understanding. He could have asked Jesus why he wanted them to stand watch with him, but he didn't. Fourthly, we read, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. It's upon Jesus' return from prayer that he finds them sleeping. He had asked them to keep watch with him. Yet because of their lack of understanding of the gravity of the moment of what was about to happen, they couldn't even do that. Because they neglected to seek understanding. They neglected to ask the question, why? They lacked the knowledge and the conviction of the necessity of the moment for them to watch with Christ. You see, we read earlier on Solomon saw, though, though it cost all you have, get understanding. Maybe their sleep was too important. Maybe their sleep was not a cost they were willing to pay to get understanding. The fifth thing we read is this. Jesus repeats his instruction to them. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, Jesus now, without them asking the question why, qualifies his instruction. He says, I am instructing you to watch, but not only to watch, but also pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. It was for their sake that Jesus had told them to keep watch. And he reemphasizes that they must watch and pray. He's telling them to pray, but because they don't know that Jesus is about to be taken from them, they don't take what he is saying seriously because they go back to their slumber. It is amazing to me that sometimes God will instruct you to do something or will instruct you to pray. But because we have gotten to this notion of treating prayer like a shopping experience and we have nothing serious on our shopping list, we ignore the call of God to pray. We don't even spend the time to seek understanding of why he is calling us to prayer at that particular time. But we make the decision to ignore it, not knowing that great challenges and trials are ahead not knowing that the prayer was for us not to fall into temptation, not knowing that the prayer was a preparation for us for what we were about to encounter. You see, saints, we need to be careful that our lack of understanding of the plans and the will of God does not cause us to neglect his word or instruction towards us because in our eyes it does not look expedient or even necessary or possible. 
You see, this is the same fate that befell the children of Israel in the desert. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 to 9, And 15 to 19, he says this. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as, they, as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. As has just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they will never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. You see, it was because when they went to scout the promised land, they saw the giants. They saw the armies of the promised land. And then they doubted the word of God, which he had instructed them to go and take the land because he had given it to them. God's anger towards them let everyone of that generation die in the desert with the exception of Joshua and Caleb because they chose to focus on the word of God because they had seen their God and they knew that if God had told them that he was giving them the promised land then he would do it. You see, Jesus, in instructing his disciples to watch and pray, is because he's about to depart from them. And the safety and security that they had with him is about to disappear. Yet because of a lack of understanding, because they fail to ask the question why, they go back to sleep counting their sleep more important than the instruction of God, counting their sleep a prize not worthy paying to gain understanding. You see, Jesus had prayed for Peter when the devil had desired to sift him. But now it was Peter's turn to pray for himself. Yet Peter, for a lack of understanding, fell asleep. When Jesus went to his disciples the third time, it was to wake them up because the time of his arrest had arrived. The temptation he was warning them about had arrived and they had not prepared for it by watching and praying. You see, when we lack understanding of what God is doing or when we lack understanding of the time and the season that we are going through, it's the right time to ask God why. Especially as we are instructed what to do. Then we should ask why the more. 
our inquiry, if genuine, and after the pursuit of understanding, will be answered by God. You see, God is faithful to either give us clarity or to encourage us the more to do what he has instructed. And with that understanding, we are better positioned to carry out the instruction of God for our lives according to his will. The issue is not the question. The issue is not why. The issue is the timing and the appropriateness of it. See, when Jesus instructs Peter, John, and James to watch and pray, he gives them the reason. He gives them an answer to the question why, because they had not sought it the first time he instructs them. Jesus understood that an understanding of instruction will give them more impetus to carry out that instruction. But Peter, John, and James choose to vacate understanding. They go back to sleep even when they have been told why they needed to watch and pray. Even when they had been told why at that moment they needed to watch and pray. It was for their good. It was so that they will not fall into temptation. And they had an example in front of them. Jesus knowing what he was about to go through. Being God. Led them by an example by going to pray. And he did this even three times. The instruction was simple. Watch and pray. So that you will not fall into temptation. You see, God knows everything that will be. He knows what will happen tomorrow. He knows what will happen three years from now. And his instruction, his instruction is based on this knowledge. The Bible says he is the one that directs your path. His will spelled out in his word and communicated to us through whichever medium he chooses must always be our instruction. And unless we do his will, temptation stands at the door. Unless we watch and pray, we might end up responding in anger to his will like Moses did. Unless we watch and pray, we might end up denying him because of the adversity we face like Peter did. Unless we watch and pray, the flesh will continue to be weak and we will fall into temptation. Saints and friends, today I want to encourage you. Watch and pray, child of the Most High. Watch and pray. Ask the question, why? As an attempt to gain more understanding, ask the question, why?
Well, friends, we'll end our discussion here today. Please join us next on our next episode on this theme called Why. This will be the final episode. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for joining us today. Well, if you want to get in contact with us, or you have questions about this episode, past episodes, or any Bible-related questions you might have, you can send them through us, through our social media pages. On Facebook, we are Bite Sized. On Twitter, we are at Bite underscore Word. On Instagram, it's Bite Word. Or you can send us an email. Our email address is info at bitesizedministry.co.za. That is info at bitesizedministry.co.za. Or you can visit our website at www.bitesizedministry.co.za. That is www.bitesizedministry.co.za. And there you can use our contact us form to get in touch with us. And also here you can find daily devotionals and our weekly written sermon. Again, thank you for tuning in and goodbye.